right, we're in John chapter 18 tonight. John 18. I'll uh, do my best. I spent several hours in the chair of a dentist office today. And um, so I need lots and lots of sympathy. I've already been talking to Brother Jeremy, got none there. So hopefully the, if uh, you guys would give me some, that would be, you know. They tell you not to pick your teeth with sharp metal objects. And the first thing that happens when you sit in their chair is they pick up an iron hook. I never have understood that, but whatever. John 18, we're talking about grace. Started last week talking about grace and, uh, and what it can do in our lives. It's been a few weeks on this. And tonight, I want to focus on the restoring grace of the Lord, the restoring grace. Uh, John chapter 18, we're in uh, verse number 25 here in a moment. Every child of God receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. We know that. Uh, his influence uh, probably will become immediately available. Uh, well, it does become immediately available, but probably becomes immediately apparent in our life, I was just talking to a man last night when did a, did a visit, and he was talking about how he used to uh, play uh, worldly music. He got saved and didn't quite understand why at first, but he just didn't feel comfortable playing the music anymore, and it just uh, started to change and didn't quite get it. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, there's some things we're not comfortable doing anymore, and so he makes that change in our life. Now, sinful desires, though, don't disappear, do they? They're not gone. They're still... Uh, we have to deal with the flesh, and if we're not careful, it's easy to fall back into old habits. And then it's also easy to allow them to take over and to where they actually govern our actions and our reactions in life. Fleshly influence on decision-making always leads to bad consequences. So when we sin, we need God's restoring grace. We just need it. Because, and so we over and over need God's restoring grace. And I think probably anybody in here along with me who's been saved for a while has probably experienced God's restoring grace over and over. So that's what we want to talk about this evening. Let's read, if we will, in John 18, verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear... Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied, and immediately the cock crew. Father, I pray you'd help us this evening see in Scripture your re restoration and then also in our own lives how it's available to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we mentioned, the Holy Spirit, a, a part of our life, is, uh, makes his influence and his power evident in our life. Every decision we make, every action we take, uh, when we walk in the Spirit, we accomplish God's purpose for our life, we please Him. When we walk in the flesh, we're pleasing ourselves and not pleasing the Lord. But our conversion, our salvation, does not take away our old patterns of thought and action. What we struggled with, and we all probably have heard uh, different testimonies. I remember one a gentleman in our in, in uh, church in Michigan that had uh, j just for years and years been hopelessly addicted to specifically Jack Daniels, and he, I mean, he was he was a bad bad drunk, and when he got saved, it just like that. He said it was cured, it was done. I never touched it since. It was out of my life 
And uh, we, love, we, we hear those stories, but then sometimes there's different areas in our life where it still continues to, to, to attack. We still have a flesh, and we still have those same desires. And if we're not careful, it's easy for us to revert to our old ways. Now, fleshly decision-making is a trap that the devil draws us or uses to draw us away from God's plan for our life. And uh, the result of that can be a tragic return to what we were even before we were saved as far as our actions are. It's like a freed slave returning to his cruel master. And I don't understand why we do it, but we still do it, don't we? Uh, We've been saved from it. Romans chapter 6, we've been set free from it. Why do we go back? And yet we do because we have a flesh we're dealing with. Paul struggled with this scenario in his own life. He he wrote in Romans 7, 14, and we're going to turn to a few passages tonight, but uh, Romans 7, 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal and sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Never been there? Yes, sounds like my diary, amen? <laughs> what I wish I would stop doing, I keep doing. What I wish I would do, I have a hard time doing. We all deal with that the way that Paul did. And the reason is because of how he started the verse out. Uh, The law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Uh, Our flesh, which we all have one, uh, doesn't want what God wants for us. It's a battle that's all common to all of us. So what happens when we fail? What happens when we do that which we hate that Paul's talking about here? Is there any hope for us? And that's where God's restoring grace comes in. The, the, the wonderful fact is God does not abandon us when we fail him. He is not, that doesn't, that's not the end of our story. Instead, he offers us grace to restore us into fellowship and usefulness to him. God's grace is essential, as we talked about last week, for salvation, yes, but also for our daily living and uh, as we're serving him. So that is essential. Have you ever, you ever tried to lose weight? You know the pitfalls that come with any diet. Uh, It's typically not a smooth process when we go on a... Actually, I can't really use the word we for diet. Uh, When other people go on a diet, you can tell I haven't been on one lately. You know, I don't believe... It's a separate subject, but I don't believe in haunted houses. I don't really believe in that. But there is something going on. Uh, just two Sundays ago, I pulled out a suit out of my closet that I haven't tried, I haven't worn it in six months, and I couldn't even button it. There's something going on in my house. I don't know if it's haunted. I don't know what's going on exactly, but something's going on. A separate issue. But anyway, we uh, try to lose weight. We go on a diet, and uh, it's it's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to stick to. Here's a few facts for you. To be a, I found these. I thought these were interesting. If no one sees you eat it, it has no calories. Did you know that? That's a blessing. If you drink a diet soda with the candy bar, the two cancel each other out. When eating with someone else, you don't have to count the calories if you both eat the same thing. These are scientific facts. Foods used for medicinal purposes. Chocolate, ice cream, you know, things like that. Sara Lee cheesecake. Never count. And here I like this last one. If you fatten up everyone else around you, you'll look thinner. I like that one. Amen. Just keep giving them cake. Amen. But it's the easiest thing in the world when we're trying to lose weight or go on a diet to go fall back into the bad patterns of eating. Uh, Because we have a flesh that is not particularly fond of kale. 
I had a one time, I thought I would do a juice. I would try juicing. I went out to Walmart and bought a juicing machine, and I bought the stuff, including kale. Why anybody in the world would eat kale? I don't know. But I tried it, um, and I did find out the next day, Walmart does let you return used juicers, which is a blessing, because I did. Uh, that was not for me. But, uh, it's easy, you know, but we do it in the spiritual realm, too. We fall back into patterns, bad eating patterns because we have a flesh that doesn't like it. Now, Peter fell back to his old patterns here. He's relying on his own strong will, his own instincts, rather than the power of the Lord. He denied Jesus three times, and yet God did not abandon him. That's the blessing of that story. Instead, God extended grace to Peter. He brought him back into a right relationship with him. He prepared him for a life of service and ministry, and uh, we, we, it's a blessing to see that because every single one of us need what Peter had here. We need that restoration of the Lord. The same process of restora- a relapse, restoration, relapse, restoration can happen in our lives as well. Now, I want to look tonight at the, what derailed Peter, how the grace of God restored him, and how he responded. But we have to move quickly because somebody took a long time a while ago. Peter's relapse. Peter's relapse. Peter began his life of service. You remember when he started? Jesus came to him, said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter started to follow Jesus. He had been uh, kind of the leader of the disciples. He's with Jesus for three years. He was part of the inner circle. He was listening and learning to the very Son of God himself. Yet none of these things kept Peter from falling back into sin into into dealing with things in the same patterns he had with before. Let me tell you, friends, there's no heights in your Christian life that's going to guarantee you're not going to relapse. We better be careful and understand that. We never can get to the place, finally, I am spiritual enough, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, we can't because we, as long as we got a flesh, actually, and I mean this with utmost respect, Cliff can say that now, amen? But none of us can as long as we're here. This, the three specific things caused Peter's relapse. He was proud. Psalms, uh, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Peter had a, a, he had a lot of talents, he had abilities, but he fell into a trap of self-reliance. And this is so important for us to see here in Peter's life because he thought that while others might be weak, others might need God's help, he had it covered. He could make it on his own. And there's nothing like relying in your own strength to lead you down the road of failure. As soon as you start depending on yourselves, pride keeps us specifically from receiving God's grace. The Bible says so, 1 Peter 5, 5. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. We have pride in our life. That's not the way to get God's grace. Uh, and Peter thought, and this is where we're going to go over to John chapter 13, and I'll tell you, I'll show you where this was happening in Peter's life. John 13, verse 36, Peter thought he was stronger than the others around him. John 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
The crock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now, Peter's mistake in, was evaluating his own devotion by comparing it to those around him. That, and and we, do, we do this, we do this a lot. We compare ourselves with others. We know the verse, comparing ourselves amongst ourselves is not wise, but we do it. We, it's kind of an automatic thing. And so he believes that no matter what would happen, no matter if everybody else turned their back, he is going to be faithful to the Lord. He's not going to fail. In fact, in Matthew 26, 33, he responds to what Jesus tells him here, that parallel passage. He says, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. That's what he told Jesus. So basically, yeah, what you just said about denying you three times, these jokers might do it, not me though. I, they might fail, I won't. I'll never be offended. So everything that we have, including our own strength, our dedication, we better remember that this is a gift from God. All of our abilities, all that, even our faith, faith cometh from the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Even if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? In other words, God, you want to brag on your abilities, on your faith? Where did you get it from? You got it from the Lord. All good things come from above. And so, and, and he's basically saying as if it's you that made you the way that you are. No, God made you that way, and God gave you these things. So that realization ought to keep us from pride, but it didn't Peter. And we act foolishly when we start to compare ourselves with others. Peter thought everybody else might fail. He told Jesus this, everybody might fail, but I won't. He was proud thought he was better than everybody else. Also, now if you'll turn to Luke 22, Luke chapter 22, we'll see that Peter also underestimated the persistence of Satan. <coughs> Luke chapter 22, verse number 31. <coughs> Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Jesus is trying to warn him here. And by the way, the devil doesn't just try once and quit. He doesn't try and fail and go home. He returns again and again and again and again. He's looking for weaknesses. He's watching you. This is why it's so important to be faithful to the house of God, faithful to the word of God, because he gets you in a weakened state, and he'll be able to make advances where he wouldn't if you're ready. In fact, Peter later is inspired to write the words that said, devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5.8. But here, at this point in his life, he was not doing what we all should do, and that is living every day with the realization we've got a big target on our back that Satan is, it, Satan's after us. I saw a far side car, cartoon not long ago. It had a, two deer in the forest talking to each other. One deer says to the other, how do you like my new tattoo? And it's a, it's a big red circle on his back with a smaller circle and a smaller circle and a smaller circle, you know, a big red target. He says, I don't know, I don't know. I don't remember what his response was, but that deer was so proud of his tattoo. That's how we are. We've got a big old target on our back. Satan's after us every day. He didn't realize this. Uh, as, as long as you live, you remain a target for Satan's attacks. Don't let your guard down for even a moment. And here's Jesus trying to tell Peter that. Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. 
And what did Peter immediately respond? Hey, I'm ready to go with you to prison or to death. Flippant. Flippant. Let's not be that flippant because we better realize we are a target. A victory today does not guarantee a victory tomorrow. And so Peter relapsed because he had a proud spirit. And another reason, Matthew 26, also he didn't realize the, uh, the persistence of Satan. In Matthew chapter 26, we see yet another reason that I believe Peter failed, that we also can fail in this area. He was prayerless. We already heard about prayer tonight. But Matthew chapter 26, verse number 34. Jesus said unto him, this is at the garden, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all his disciples. Still, still not taking the warning. Jesus has given him fair warning. Now, pride precludes prayer. Uh, because prayer is based on reliance on God. Pride is based on reliance on self. So you really aren't going to be, if you're praying, you're not proud. If you're proud, you're not praying. We could use that as a general rule, typically. Uh, pride and prayer kind of are antithesis of each other. Prayer is an assault on the autonomy of the human spirit. Prayer is telling God, I can't do it. I don't know it. I don't have the wisdom for it. I need you, and that's what prayer is. So here Jesus just forewarned Peter that he's about to deny him, and then look what Peter does next, verse number 39. He had told them to pray. Verse 36, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Took him with, with him, this is verse 37, took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he said, And then my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Went in a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And when he cometh unto the disciples, he findeth them asleep. Prayerlessness. <coughs> Jesus has just warned Peter that he's about to fail him, and Peter is sleeping. Uh, prayer is the means by which we obtain the power of God to fight and win in the battles of life. And of all times to pray, Peter ought to have been praying here. You're going to deny me three times? Listen to these two, the, the, the contrast here. Think of the contrast here. Jesus... Preparing for the coming ordeal of the cross is urgently desiring to pray. Peter, ignoring the upcoming temptation, is urgently desiring to sleep. And who's going to be successful? And who's going to fail? Prayerlessness is going to lead to failure in our life. He did not value prayer as a vital resource to victory. Even when he heard the Lord Jesus himself say, you're going to deny me three times, he goes to sleep. The strength to triumph in our life only comes from prayer. And then, uh, I'm not going to get into this for sake of time, but, but uh, a final one, he's pretending. Uh, in Luke chapter 22, the Bible talks about how he's in a He's following Jesus afar off, and afar off is a dangerous position to be in. Uh, the only place for a Christian is close to the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way for a church member is in church. 
attached to the body of Christ and in, in their place. We ought to always be in God's presence. Peter, who only hours before was boasting, I'll, he specifically said, I'll follow you to prison, I'll follow you to death. He did neither. He's following afar off. How many Christians are afar off? But I just said I'm not going to get into all that. So that, that was another one, kind of uh, playing the pretending game. But look at Peter's restoration. John chapter 21, if you want to turn there. John chapter 21. We're familiar with this, the do you love me passage. Uh, Simon, uh, John, verse 3, <coughs> the Bible says, Simon Peter says, and then am I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. By the way, much could be said about this verse. Peter's having a relapse, going back to his old life. And guess what happens? They all go with him. You do not live your life unto yourself. There are kids watching. There are people watching. You have influence more than you realize. Stay with it. Don't go back to relapse to your old ways. God, uh, though, praise the Lord, calls us to himself. Peter knew that he had let Jesus down. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. Have we not all been there when we failed the Lord? That, that horrible, sick feeling and knowing that we failed him. And after allowing Peter to spend a frustrating night catching no fish, Jesus stood on the bank waiting. And uh, I wonder how many times God lets us frustrate ourselves and get to the end of ourselves. And uh, you know they won't suffice. All these things don't satisfy. They, we, we can't be successful in and of ourselves. Then Jesus came to him. Look at verse 12, John 21. Verse 12, and he see it. Let's see, I'm in the wrong chapter here. Chapter 21, verse 12. And Jesus said to him, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and wine, uh, giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? <laughs> There's been a lot of speculation about what the these were. Are that the boats, you know, he said, I go a fishing. Do you love me more than you love your business? I think it's evident in Scripture. My opinion is that he's, he said, he had, G, Peter had told Jesus before, I, I love you. These guys might all fail you, but I love you enough. I'll go with you to death. Now Jesus is asking, I believe, referring to that, do you, do you still love me more than these? And that's like a knife in Peter's heart. I mean, it's just, Jesus is convicting him, convicting him. You still want to say you love me more than these? It's a tough question. But what I want to focus on here, even though Peter had gone back to his old livelihood, Jesus did not give up on him. He knew that through the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, Peter had potential. Look at what Peter did later. Jesus knew that Peter had that potential in him. Even in chastisement, God will not stop loving you regardless of your failures. That is a, an amazing fact. In Scripture, when you're further away from God than you should be, don't be defeated. Don't forsake the call of God on your life. I love how when Jesus dealt with Peter here, he did not condemn him. Jesus did not say, I told you so. I told you. Deny me three times. Seen any roosters lately, Peter? I mean, that's probably what we'd have said. Didn't beat him up for his failures. Instead, he asked Peter about his love. Loving Jesus ensures that we have a right relationship with him. 
Never forget that we're to love him. Never forget how much he loved us. We love him because he has first loved us. At the book, 10,000 Sorrows, we read about Elizabeth Kim, born in Korea. The, her, her father was an American GI who had a fling with her mother and then abandoned them. The grandfather and uncle hung her mother in an honor killing. She lived on the streets for two years, finally came to an orphanage. They told her about Jesus. Shortly after that, word came from a couple that, uh, that, that a couple from America was coming to adopt a little boy. The next day, the couple came, and this is what the girl recalled, and I'll quote what she wrote in her book. I saw the man with his huge hands lift up each and every baby. I knew that he loved every one of them as if they were his own. I saw tears running down his face and knew if he could, he would take the whole lot home with him. He saw me out of the corner of his eye. I was nine years old, but I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I had worms in my body, lice in my hair, boils all over me. I was full of scars. But the man came over to me and began saying something in English. Then he took his hand and laid it on my face. Later I found out, he said, I want this child. This is the child for me. They took me back to America and raised me as their own. And it's just a great picture. No matter what the scars, no matter what the failures, no matter how we have messed up in our life, God's chosen you. You've not chosen me, I've chosen you. And we are his. He reached down and in grace made you a part of his family. Now, in grace as we mess up and we relapse and he restores. It's a blessing, isn't it? That we don't, we don't have this, this uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, many times that, I remember in a secular job I had, we had the three write-up systems. You know, you, got messed, you messed up three times, you got written up, you got written up a second time, you got written up a third time, and the fourth time, you're out of there. You're never out of there with God. And that's a blessing that he will continue to restore. The same love that led you to salvation leads you to your restoration when you fail. Just as Jesus came to Peter, he'll come to you as well. What a, tr what a tremendous truth that is. Very quickly, the Holy Spirit empowered him. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we all know the verse, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea. It, it's a joy that we don't have to live the Christian life in our own strength because we could never make it, could we? Never. But when Peter was filled with the Spirit, his preaching produced incredible results. The Peter after Acts 1.8 is different than the Peter before Acts 1.8. And the you after your salvation is different than the you before your salvation. You now have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Peter's response when Jesus showed him the love he did and uh, you know he, that Jesus demonstrated that in John 21. You know, I've seen people over the years and you have too. God's given second, third, fourth chances to. Yet instead of Drawing closer to God, they just continue to drift away. Peter didn't respond that way. Instead, he lived a life of love and service to the Lord, feeding others, just like Jesus said, you wanna, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You love me? Feed my sheep. And he did that. And you know what? In the end, according to tradition, he did die on a cross. But he said, not, not like Jesus did. I'm not worthy of that. So died, they, they turned the, inverted the cross, and he died on an upside-down cross. First uh, Peter 5.2, I, I have to think he was reminiscent of what Jesus was telling him in John 21 when he wrote, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, 
but of a ready mind. Peter responded correctly to the grace of God. And uh, he was, had that close relationship that we all desire, that we can all have, and we can only have it by the restoration power, the restoring power of the grace of God. I, I love the fact that there's more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. Amen? There's more grace where, where, where sin doth abound, grace doth more. And uh, what a blessing that is. The restoring grace of Jesus is available to bring you back into fellowship with him and to ready you for service for him just as it did for Peter. Like Peter, you might have failed. You may be in the middle of failure right now. Don't let that stop you. Uh, don't, don't fall back into old sinful habits. Don't quit God or quit going to church. Don't give up. Keep on going. Let the restoring grace of God bring you back into fellowship with him. What a blessing that that is. It's never too late for any of us. I've had people tell me that sitting across, maybe in counseling, where it's just too late. It's never too late. If you're breathing, he's got grace to suffice for you. Father, we thank you for it.